0: Liz Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True Crime New England. Case Profiles Edition. Hello, welcome back to another mini episode. We are so glad to have you here listening to these episodes that we are so proud of and just want to keep doing and doing for as long as we can.
1: Yes, so if you are not familiar with our mini episodes, our Case Profiles, it is something that we've been doing to get cases of people of color out there because we are noticing that they are just so undercovered, so underrepresented in the media, They don't get a whole lot of law enforcement attention. And it's very sad because these cases are often unsolved
0: as a result. I would say like 95% of the cases we cover on this mini episode series are unsolved. And it sucks
1: because we would love to do full episodes on them, but they have such a lack of information. There really aren't many sources out there about these cases. Yeah. So we are doing many episodes where, Liz, you will tell myself and the audience about a case, and I will do the same. So we can do a two birds, one stone kind of deal and get these cases out there in some capacity. Absolutely. And uh,
0: it's sometimes we're lucky if we have... Two sources Mm -hmm. sometimes if we have three or four that's like mind-blowing because there's truly very little information and lots of times it's just repeated in different websites and it's like one two paragraphs and that's it so it's pretty devastating to the families and the friends of these victims and of course the victims themselves that there is very little media coverage on their cases especially when they're still unsolved
1: for sure So because this is an even number episode, Liz, you are kicking us off.
0: Thank you. And just so everyone knows, if you're new to the case profiles, I am telling Katie the story, and she will tell me her story, and we do not know the content of the story. So the oohs and the ahs and the questions, those are all genuine. Those are all real. You are listening for the first time just like Katie is, and vice versa. Yeah. So here we go. Today, I'm going to tell you about very... I don't know if interesting is the right word, but I think it is um, intriguing case of the murder of Alvis Dexter James. My sources today include South Coast Murder Mysteries. It's a little website. Find a grave in South Coast today. And see, even one of my sources is find a grave. That's not really a source. I did it mostly so I could find even a little bit of information about him, mm-hmm. the victim, and that still was not very much. So just to preface, at 1846 Purchase Street in New Bedford, Massachusetts, on March 30th of 2003, a bar called The Neutral Zone was hosting a music contest. Apparently, they did this every year. It was a great, fun time. Lots of local talent would go and rap or sing or, you know, whatever, and try and get noticed, right? It was around 1.15 a.m., and 32-year-old Alvis Dexter James was on stage, and he was taking his turn to sing in the contest, right? He was actually known locally because he was t- he was very talented. He was a local singer, entertainer, and he was known in the town and, I mean, some of Massachusetts. I'm sure if social media was around more, he would have a following. Because mm-hmm. this is 2003, so there wasn't even, like, Facebook. But he was talented, and people knew it. Suddenly while Alvis was on stage, an argument broke out between some people who were near the stage and a gunshot was heard. And immediately following the gunshot, Alvis dropped to the ground. No. Mm -hmm. Witnesses say that the gunman, who still, 23 years later, is unidentified, stuck his freshly fired gun in his pocket, I imagine, like, twirled it. You know they do in movies, like, twirled it and shoved it in his pants. And then he walked away, laughing. (sighs) True story. That's what the witnesses say, okay? Alvis had been shot in the chest in front of l- literally anywhere from 75 to 125 people, okay, at this bar. Immediately, and this is a little shady, but I I get the sentiment, Alvis was put in someone's car and they attempted to drive to the local hospital, which was St. Luke's Hospital, Unfortunately, Elvis was really quickly fading in the backseat of this car, and this driver got lost. No. Yeah. So he called 911 and said, "Uh, you know, I'm at Kempton and County Streets. Please send an ambulance. My friend got shot. I got lost in the way of the hospital. When EMS arrived, they started to take care of Elvis and bring him to the nearest hospital, but unfortunately, they could not stop the bleeding. And Elvis died of his gunshot injuries at 3.30 a.m., just about two hours after he was shot at the neutral zone during a singing contest of all places. Here's the thing. It's a little shady. So initially, the police believed that the shooting happened outside the club. You want to know why they thought that? Oh, it's because um, Alvis's blood was found outside the club because he was moved before he was put in the car. It wasn't until people were questioned, like the witnesses, that It was discovered that he'd actually been shot in the club, on the stage, and when he was down, he was moved. Bar manager, Javier Morales, rounded up some of his staff and had them dump Alvis's injured body onto the sidewalk in an attempt to lead police to believe it happened outside and not in his club. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? Dead serious.
1: That is tampering with crimes. Uh-huh. That could have aggravated his injury. You don't yep. move someone.
0: Here's the best part. He then had his employees clean up the blood. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this definitely makes him, I mean, he. it's confirmed he did not shoot Elvis, but um, this guy guilty of something here, right? Yeah. According to several witnesses, Morales was frantically demanding at all the club patrons to tell the police the shooting happened outside. If they were asked. And luckily, though, there was surveillance footage at this time, and the police were able to confirm that Elvis was indeed shot in the bar. Yeah, I know. Isn't that cr- Katie's mouth is wide open right now? He needs to be.
1: I hope he was arrested for witness tampering. Let me. Okay, thank I you. you. I thank got, you, got you, thank you.
0: I do have information for you because that's what I was thinking. I was like, this motherfucker, what a jackass. Like, how poor Elvis. Like, why are you trying so hard? Like, what other shady things are happening at your bar that you don't want the police in there to discover? Right. Are
1: you money laundering in right. the back? Like, right. is the singing contest a front? Right. <laughs>
0: yeah. Crazy. More damningly, though, this is, the I think, the most damning of all. Morales had used a piece of tinfoil to move the bullet casing, which he threw away. And to this day, investigators have not found that specific casing that led to the one gunshot wound in Alvis's chest. So he's starting to look a little more guilty, you know, in that regard. But as far as I could tell from the research, he did not shoot Elvis Because I think there were so many witnesses, I think it w- he would have been named, clearly. Because people saw him and they, they were told by him to not tell the police where it really happened. Crazy. Did he he must have known the shooter. He must have. Or at the very
1: least, he's absolutely running. Mm-hmm. A very shady business. Yeah. And maybe he is going to those lengths because he wants people to
0: keep going to that bar. Maybe. he doesn't want to close down because of that. Perhaps. It could be. Obviously, we know now that bullet casings are very important investigations because it can lead to specific guns. Mm -hmm. Um, But, of course, we still don't know what the... We don't know where it went, so we can't say anything. Because of the act of getting rid of evidence, Javier Morales was charged with felony accessory to murder... Which is great. However, Alvis's killer has never been identified. Alvis was a contractor who left behind his fiance, Kelly, and he had four sons. No. Dexter, Darian, Dakaris, and Diari. He was described as being good hearted, talented, and a great father. Anyone with information is asked to call the New Bedford police at 508 991 6320. In that, is the murder of alvis dexter james and the very sketchy behavior of javier morales awful stuff i'm livid yeah right this poor man
1: and for the shooter to walk away laughing yeah i don't like that
0: i don't like that at all Oh, I'm pissed. And to have so many witnesses, too, and not know who the shooter was. is. We've talked about cases like this before where there's a lot of witnesses and they don't know who the shooter is and it's still unsolved. And I just don't know how that happens. It blows my mind. Someone needs to come forward. I'm sorry. This
1: is one of those where someone, know, if not multiple someones, know something. Absolutely. It's been 23 years. Yeah. Step up. Yeah. Open your fucking mouth. <laughs> Let's get this solved. Honestly,
0: even twenty-three, twenty days is too much. It's ridiculous. He left behind four sons and he was all around a great man. He wasn't it wasn't like this was a case where the police could be like, oh, he's a part of gang you know, right? which is often how these go because they're African-American or yep. Hispanic and the police are like, well, he probably, he was probably part of a gang and that's why he was shot. And it's like, no, actually, he was just singing at a singing contest. He was a great guy, as they often are. There's nothing to do, this is nothing to do with the gang. It was just, he wasn't even the target. An argument broke out and somebody shot a gun and it, it's ridiculous. This poor man and his family. If that bar is still open, Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We'll have picket Get in this guy's face. We'll have picket fence outside the <laughs> strike, and it's ridiculous. Damn. And I bet you have another awful, terrible, unsolved murder for me today.
1: Oh, this one is really sad. Oh, good. It's the murder of Raquel Ramirez. Oh. My sources today are Justice for My Mother Raquel Ramirez Facebook page, oh. which is devastating, always. NBCconnecticut.com and Fox 61. Okay. On June 30th, 1985, the body of 29 year old Raquel Ramirez was found underneath Interstate 91 by Whitehead Highway in Connecticut. Oh. Raquel was nicknamed Shorty or Tiny, which are both really fitting because she was four foot ten and eighty five pounds. Oh my god, so tiny. L- tiny. <laughs> <laughs> like literally. Yeah. Like let's go tiny. Oh. Perfect. Cute. Fitting. <laughs> Raquel's body was found in the underbrush by a few kids fishing along the Connecticut River who went to dig for worms under the highway.
0: No. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: that's awful. She had been strangled. She was last seen with friends near her home on Ward Street by Wolcott Park. Raquel's daughter, Brenda Paris, stated, quote, I'm going to keep trying to fight to get justice for her. So I hope someone has the heart to speak up.
0: Oh, man.
1: Brenda was just 10 years old when her mom was murdered and her and her two siblings were just devastated. Yeah. She said, quote, she was a down-to-earth, humble person, and she loved everyone. She believed she had it in her power to help every homeless person on the street. Oh. At the spot under the highway where Raquel was murdered, Brenda stated, quote, this is where my mom begged. She asked for them to stop, and they murdered her, so it's not easy. Oh. Police feel that Raquel was brought to that location and murdered there. I guess they had initially thought she was murdered in one location and dumped under the highway, but it was thought that she was murdered where she was found. Yeah. Police said one tip in particular has been investigated numerous times. It was from a female who called in. She identified a potential suspect or a person of interest last seen with Raquel. Somewhere between 1 to 3 a.m. on June 30th. Hmm. An officer working on her case stated, quote, I'm not ruling out anything, whether it's a person who's a boyfriend, an ex-husband, or someone who just knows her. I don't think Raquel is coming down here without knowing them.
0: Yeah, right. Right.
1: Raquel's daughter said that the lead police officer for the Hartford Police Department on her mom's case at the time of her murder was a child molester. <gasps> really? Officer Joseph Marrero was charged with first-degree sexual assault, three counts of second-degree sexual assault, six counts of fourth-degree sexual assault, and five counts of risk to injury to a minor for sexually assaulting a 13-year-old girl in August of 1994 in Colombia.
0: Okay, very quick math. That's almost 20 charges against him relating to, holy shit. Brutal. And this was, this was an, okay. Brutal. Yeah. Yep. Okay.
1: Yep. Joseph had actually written a note on Raquel's case file saying he couldn't wait to go on vacation. That is how he treated this woman's case. Jesus. I'm so No fucking wonder it's unsolved. Honestly. If that is the lead officer on her case, who, when he is supposed to be working on finding who murdered this woman, yeah. brutally strangled her and dumped her body... Under a highway for children to find. Yeah. And when he's supposed to be focusing on that, all he can think about is going on vacation.
0: Where he's probably going to rape more children. Thank you.
1: How? Mm-hmm. It's probably safe to say he was going on vacation to Columbia mm. where that minor girl was. Oh, my
0: God. That's terrifying.
1: He vandalized her case file. I can't wait to go on vacation. Writing on her case file. Yeah. Yep. Oh, my God. We actually talked about the Hartford Police Department around that time in one of our main episodes. That was episode 76. Oh. It was the disappearance of Rosita Camacho and the murder of Rosa Delgado.
0: Great story. Very interesting story.
1: Yes. And we talk about how the main person who potentially was the perpetrator for those cases had been involved in A ton of rapes. That's right. A ton of sexual assaults of a minor. Yep. And we also talked about how at that time the Hartford Police Department had multiple of those cases and investigations going on at the same time.
0: Right. It was like seven police officers in the end were convicted of rape or disorderly conduct. Yep. Very interesting. Okay. That is who
1: was handling this case, the Hartford Police Department.
0: Oh, my God.
1: It is so infuriating because... You know, if you think about maybe if there was a tad bit less corruption, Mm -hmm. would this case have been solved? Probably.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: Raquel's case is still cold and she was added to the Connecticut cold case deck of cards. She is a seven of diamonds. Anyone with any information on the murder of Raquel Ramirez is asked to please contact the Hartford Police at 860-772-TIPS.
0: Oh, that's awful. Yeah. And it's interesting because when you started, I was thinking of, you mentioned something along the lines of like, while he was on the clock, he was doing this and that. And it immediately made me think of the main suspect in the disappearance of Rosita Camacho and her mother, who ultimately was murdered, Rosa Delgado. It made me think of that instantly. So when you said it, my brain was like two neurons clicking. it was like, oh yeah, that's nuts. yeah how oh my God guys, if you have not listened to that episode episode seventy six, I mean it I'm we're biased, but it's good like it's it, we cover that very interesting case. it's lots of twists and turns, but also it almost seems like the most obvious. like why it happened and who did it. It's terrible. So definitely check it out because that's interesting. It comes around. Yeah. And you
1: guys should look at that Facebook page too. Justice for my mother, Raquel Ramirez. Brenda, she is such an incredible advocate for her mom. After all this time, Mm -hmm. she's not giving up. She is still fighting. She's hoping to... You know, keep getting that case out there. Mm -hmm. And she does a really great job of talking about the corruption in the Hartford Police Department and how that has impacted this case being solved. Good
0: for her, honestly. Yes, Yes. that's great. She is
1: a great advocate, truly. Mm -hmm. And she's just constantly talking to people, trying to get this case more awareness and I'm I'm really hoping to see this case solved. I really am.
0: Yeah. And you know, with all of the advancements in DNA and just we've seen so many cases solved this year alone. Yeah. You know, of just crazy simple DNA tests done by if believe the company is Authram, where they just they just take the DNA, they run it and all these cases are getting solved. And I God, I hope hers is one of them because that is just awful. And for little kids to find.
1: Oh, my God, I know.
0: I feel like it always happens that way. It's always little kids. It's so fucked That's up. terrible. That's tragic. Well, guys, if you want to let us know what you think of these cases, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at True Crime Any. Or you can send us case suggestions, whether it be a full case for a full episode or for our case profiles through our email, which is truecrimene at gmail.com. Send us those, please, out of New England. We can still correspond with you if it's not in New England, but we just can't share it on our podcast. But we are always looking for more stories to tell for this episode series.
1: Yes. And if you feel like you're not sure if it's enough information, you think we won't even be able to do a mini episode, send it regardless, because even if we're not able to talk about it, we'll do a post on our Instagram, a post on our website to still get it out there. Otherwise, we would be right back
0: at square one. Mm -hmm. 100%. And with that, we'll see you on Thursday. Bye. Goodbye.